Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, this is an interesting Monday morning. I did get this request in a few times and finally found a way to do this. We want to do it in a way that you don't have to shove your, your little children out of the room and that YouTube doesn't get angry with this. It's amazing that they can get angry pretty fast at some of us who are teaching classes like this, but other videos can do whatever they want to and they're fine. So, yeah. It's, it's their company, so we'll work within their, com- their confines. So, working very hard not to offend anybody by using words that you don't want your kids or your parrot, should the parrot be listening, learn. All right? That said, <clears throat> my son, I knew, was going to go into the military. Even from a very young age, he was shaped that way. And a lot of my family had been shaped that way as well, so I understood. We, uh, we had to talk a lot about what it means to be a Christian, a man, about life, taking life, the value of life, all of these things. But there was one thing I was having a hard time broaching with him, and that is the words that you will hear and that you will say when you are in military situations. As I put it to him once, well, we went to see a movie. Um, I don't remember now whether it was uh, Black Hawk Down or one of those type movies. And I used it as an opportunity to, on the way home, talk to him and say, listen, if you're in a fighting hole, that's what Marines call them, others call them foxholes. If you're in a fighting hole and a grenade has gone off nearby or a bullet has just taken off the arm or the head of one of your best friends, you're covered in blood you're trying to fight your way to the next minute to live and you see the enemy coming, it's actually not appropriate to say, oh golly gee, we're in a bit of a pickle. That You will say words that will release emotion, focus yourself, uh, rather like some people when they train for martial arts, um, for example, there will be heavy metal music. I mean, the screaming kind that just bangs off the walls. And again, it is to, you, you work within the chaos, you become part of the chaos, you overcome the chaos. And so when I talked to him about, there are times where those words are gonna come out of your mouth and it's all right. Um, this is understandable. But those words should not come out of your mouth when it's not chaos. And we had to learn to balance that. And by the way, nobody gets that perfect. There are instances in scripture where the words are so earthy that translators don't translate them. They just won't. And they will will use other words for them. 
If we have time, we'll talk a little bit about that today, but I think we, this may become a two-parter, all right? Because we're going to start with the big one, uh, the real big one, the F word. Where did this come from? Well, we don't know, actually. It seems to, like most swear words, have its roots in Old Germanic, Old English, Old French, or Latin. Curse words don't come from Semitic languages. Uh, sadly, we have in the English-speaking world and European languages, uh, you know, Romance languages as they call them, have contributed all of those curse words, so you do hear them now when you're in Semitic lands, but Semitic languages didn't develop those. That's something which the Western world specialized in. Uh, and it, and it, like I said, it shared it since then. It was first found in a verb form in the 1300s. I'm not going to read these, all right? Uh, it was first found written as an express cursed term uh, to harm another's reputation in 1502. However, there were laws in Breton that you were not allowed to print it. I can remember I grew up reading the incredible adventure novelist Alistair MacLean and just ate him up. And he would every now and then talk about in the heat of a moment, you know, somebody pulled a gun and somebody said an unprintable word. And you would see that phrase in books, an unprintable word, you know, or he said, you know, unprintable things. Those were very common ways of handling curse words. And there are some authors today that avoid curse words without you knowing they're doing it because they're so good with language. For example, although he is pretty much retired from his series now, Lee Child and his Jack Reacher series, there are very few curse words to be found. And I bet most of you, even if you've read all the books, never noticed because he used language in such a good way he didn't need to fill it up with all these others. The fact is, the F word seems to have origins that we cannot nail down. We know it came from many different languages, but they seem to be different words, and they began to merge. I mean, they even meant different things. It was already common in chaos times during World War I, but weirdly, it was... It was almost the opposite of the chaos. Uh, I'm trying to be very careful here. If the sergeant said, get your rifles, that was, you were in a hurry. If he said, get your F rifles, it was considered to be just routine, you're gonna practice. Now that sounds so weird to us because it has switched, it has flipped. That is not unusual with language at all. And so we can't learn a lot from World War I here except that they didn't take the word home. At home, it's only, in Britain, you only heard it uh, whenever, again, chaos hit. You would use then a chaos word. Books, um, oh, by the way, languages, uh, I'm sorry, dictionaries refused to put it in. Uh, they were actually forbidden by law in Britain. I think there was a law passed in 1870-something um, but that was finally broken in 1965, I believe. Yeah, 1965, and then the American Heritage Dictionary followed it a year later in 1966. 
and put it in the dictionary. And some of you of a certain age, uh, really my age perhaps, um, maybe even a bit older, can remember how you would get a dictionary and go look up the swear words and just be amazed they were in there because that's about the only place you would see them. It's really hard for people, let's say under 40, to get that now. But these words were very rare. And when they were used, they were used in very specific situations. But then things, things changed. And they changed, first of all, in the arts. And that's one of the reasons why we're, we pay attention to the movies that are out and to the music that's out because that will become the standard cultural behavior and speech if it's not dealt with. First started with the book Ulysses, Ulysses in 1933. Uh, some of you may remember the uh, Shel Silverstein type um, uh, funny songs that were popular back in the four, uh, 50s and 60s. And there was one, Hello Mother, Hello Father. And in it, it's a, it was recorded live. It became a hit on the rock and roll pop charts. It was just a comedy album. A lot of comedy albums made hit, were hits. And he talks about in there, there's a line about there to reading a book called Ulysses. And you can hear the crowd just roar with laughter because you would never let a child read such a book. That's the first book that the F word showed up in, 1933. It didn't show up again, really, until Lady Chatterley's Lover, 1959 in Breton, 1960 in the U.S. You will find that, generally speaking, there is a movement from east to west with these things. And then came the book, which later became a movie, From Here to Eternity. Now, in the manuscript that he presented to be printed, uh, there were 258 instances of the F word. They stripped it down to 50, and it still was one of the most banned books. And it was not available in high school libraries, and it was not available for people to check out unless they were adults. And they normally had to go up to ask the librarian for it because it was in the restricted stacks, and you had to be um, prepared to be getting one of those looks from the librarian whenever you, you got it. Um, then an old movie now, it's decades ago, Glengarry Glen Ross with Al Pacino and some others in it, um, shocked the world, but then we got used to it. There were 151 times in a movie that doesn't go two hours. See, back then, kids, movies didn't go real long unless there was an intermission. Not everything had to be Avatar back then, so, or Oppenheimer back then. Uh, so less than two hours, 151 uses of the word. It's a word that was meant to shock, that was meant to be, to put you back on your heels, to, uh, to change the lay of the land. And then it became used so much, it became like comic book speech. Now here's what I mean by that. I don't know what comic books are like today. Um, it, it may not shock you that I don't read them, but I can remember reading them in the late 60s. We weren't allowed to own them in our house and weren't allowed to let my father know we'd actually looked at one. Um, anyway, but whenever I would find one and I would read it, it always felt odd to me the way they emphasized certain words. It'd be bold and capital. But if you tried to read it that way, it didn't really flow. 
that became those bold and underlined that became what the F word does. It underlines the next word and you know, it, it emphasizes the next word. Well, the problem is when it's used all the time, it then becomes a substitute for what we used to hear in speech. Um, uh, um, that, or in, in Valley girl type speech, like, and, you know, like this, and it was like, I, and I was like this, it became a substitute for thinking. You gave you space to think. And the more you use it, I'm thinking the more you really need to slow down and think. The English language has more than twice as many words as the language in second place. Because that's what English does. It just absorbs words. We have other words. We don't need that word. It has become very unnecessary. However, in times of chaos, there are chaos words. And I understand that. Next week, we're going to talk about emergency words. This one, I don't think is an emergency word. I think it's a chaos word. Um, and I'm, by the way, these are my categories. They're not categories I got from somebody else. So you can absolutely argue with them and you may be right. But this is my way to classify them. In times of chaos, there are certain words. In times of emergencies, there are certain words that, that will be used. Um, profanity originally meant profane or and which means unspiritual speech. Uh, it is generally defined as socially um, offensive use of language. That's what profanity is. Well, the thing is that what is offensive does change over time. Therefore, what has been uh, an unprintable word then becomes 151 times in Glengarry Glen Ross. By the way, other movies have beaten that number by a large margin since. Um, it was originally, profanity was meant as an, uh, another way to commit sacrilege, to attack the holy. So you were to have your speech, as the scripture says, seasoned with salt, in which I find fascinating that we now call profanity, or we used to, salty language. Uh, really old people would say, pardon my French. Perhaps not even knowing a lot of these words did come from old French. But um, it was just a way of saying, oh, I know I've said an unacceptable word. We have actually done psychological studies on this. There are times where it relieves stress. It eases physical pain. Um, it is a way to express pain, anger in a way which is unacceptable otherwise. And so, like I say, when the bomb's hitting right by you and you're watching your people die, saying, oh, golly gee, we're in a bit of a pickle here, or, um, you know, oh, my stars, what's going to happen? Probably not a useful phrase, but some of these other words might focus you, reduce your pain, help you become the chaos so that you can rise above the chaos. And that's more of a neuroscience shrink thing than some of you might have been looking for. So. Why are we talking about this? Well, it's a real problem. It's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. It's caught on hot mics between presidents and their aides, and we, we have heard it. Um, I think the first time I'd heard it directly was in the Obama administration. There were three or four times where he said 
or Vice President Biden used the word and it was a hot mic as they talked to each other. But from what I understand, Truman, Nixon, a whole bunch of others use the word a lot and there are recordings of that as well. So I don't doubt that, don't doubt that a bit. But it has just become where you could put it on TV in America. What now, about, um, in fact, you still can't use the F word often on TV unless you're streaming. If it's broadcast, the rules are very, very strict. In Britain, those rules went away a long time ago and the rules about nudity and such a long time ago. Be careful when things move from east to west, it's not always good. But there was, on, when it comes to the F word, Americans have a lot of blame there. Even in the 70s and 80s, you almost never heard the F word in Scotland and England. It's very rare in public polite conversation or in movies. In fact, even up to the early and mid 80s, when a film had a lot, or a film as they'd say, had a lot of cursing in it, they would refer to it as an American movie. Now, unless you go to a place like Boston, you don't, you'll never hear as many F words in your life as you will hear in casual conversation in pubs and on the street in Scotland and England. We imported the worst of us. Yes, they gave it to us originally, but we didn't handle it well. We put it in our movies, sent them back and trained generations to use it instead of all of the other words we have at our disposal. So should Christians use the word? I don't see any reason for us to use the word. And I see a lot of reason for us not to. It would blunt your witness. It's very hard to sound like Jesus when you're using uh, profanities meant to shock. We'll talk more about other words next week because it's a whole different subject when we get to some other words. Uh, I think that we should measure our words and Jesus said that we will be judged by the words that we use. So we need to be careful. Is it a sin that will send you to hell? That's a very complicated subject. I did a whole series on hell and Monday morning messages. Please look those up. I would just say, let's not do this. Let's be separate. Let's come out from among them. Let's not sound like them or talk like them. But you get a pass if your car's in the middle of its third rollover and all you can see is cliff below. When chaos hits, chaos words are understandable. We get that. When pain has gone off the chart and they say zero, you know, from one to 10, what are you? And you're in the mid twenties. We understand chaos. There are chaos words, but for most of us, this is not chaos. This is life. Let's not use terms that would blunt our witness and make us sound more like the world than like our King. Is that fair? Hope so. Look forward to hearing your comments and we'll talk more about other words next time. All right. Cheers. God bless.